Freetopia. Urgently optimistic discussions with experts about the technological risks and opportunities shaping our future. Hello everyone. Uh, today I'm joined by Slava. Is the founder of Relevant Network, a new kind of tokenized, or I think he has to tell us more, but it's a new kind of social ne uh, media network. And uh, we're going to talk about the motivation behind Relevant and also how you, you guys are using the tools of token engineering to align the incentives. Uh, so, highest level, uh, I wanted to start with uh, hearing the origin story behind uh, Relevant. Yeah, of course. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Uh, so the origin is kind of came out of a different kind of project that I was working on at the end of 2014 uh, called Clone Zone, which was basically a tool to generate, generate fake news. Uh, it was kind of an art project inspired by early internet art, uh, art artworks. So this was a tool to clone web pages. So you could take any news article, you could take the New York, New York Times story, change all the text, change the images, the title, and share it on social media as though, as though it was a real thing. Um, and then once we made it, we really started seeing all of these social dynamics play out that we're a little bit more aware of now. But at that time, it was still kind of a, a novel thing. So it was, we're, we're seeing these fake clones attract tons of likes, tons of comments on Facebook, the algorithms would start promoting them more and more, kind of sending them into this viral loop where people are just clicking, reading, or commenting on them without actually reading the, the articles. So, and yeah, there was a bunch of them that went viral, it kind of spread all over the, all over the globe. People were making clones of their local newspapers, making it still, it's, the, the website itself is still up. We had to block most of the major publications because uh, we kept getting cease and desist and it's not totally legal what we were doing. Uh, but but still today, every every April Fools, it gets like an uptick in usage and people are cloning some, some lesser known publications, kind of playing pranks on on. And what was the learning there? So uh, I, it is fun. And, and I guess you used it, or I don't know if you intended it this way, you used it to really show what are the possibilities of fake news before fake news was cool. Right. So this was like before it was a common, common word. Um, and we were, yeah, so, and it was kind of an exploration for us too, looking at, at these uh dynamics of spreading information, disseminating information, sharing on social media, because that was a, the thing that really changed uh, around that time, where would, people stopped going to uh, the New York Times website and started consuming news via social media. So that, that was, was horrible. I remember it that was a, very vividly, uh, I think, between 2015 to kind of end of 2016, that also became my main way of consuming news. I scrolled uh, right. my Facebook feed and it felt like a weird place. It was a combination of cat photos, uh, weddings, and then like you have like really important shit like, you know, uh, who who was behind this terrorist attack. It just 
feels a little bit weird yeah. that uh, the same algorithm that prioritizes cat pics also is supposed to be the best way for you to get to know about what's going on. Exactly. And kind of the way Facebook was built, it was also not built for sharing news, right? And the main focus was sharing photos and like personal updates. And then it kind of naturally evolved to people sharing news and, and consuming news. And it really was not kind of designed to do that. So so at that time, and it was like see, seeing all of these mechanisms play, play out and kind of people being able to misuse or like very easily misuse the platform to, to propagate something was, was a really interesting thing to see. So that's kind of when we started thinking about, okay, well, what are, if this is the way people are going to be consuming news through social media, through, because it's, it also doesn't make sense to go backwards in time and, and say, no, like New York Times is the only authoritative source of information. We should only trust the New York Times, not look at social feeds, but the same time it was there was a lot of information uh you know a lot of new opportunities a lot of new viewpoints that you could discover through social media uh new publications could could get like some sort of equal footing in in the way they distribute information so it's not all negative right it's also like a liberating force but how do we so we were thinking about well what are the things that would make it harder to game harder to um harder to manipulate and and built in, build in ways for also to users to be able to manage what they're the, themselves consuming instead of getting this barrage of information mixed in with cat videos and like no real way to yeah, to filter or balance that information. And the way, at least as far as my memory isn't very fresh, I almost kind of deleted everything from Facebook. It's still there as like a empty landing page, but. Uh, you're you're not really supposed to uh, use Facebook the way at least everyone uses Twitter. So it 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 doesn't promote following like thought leaders in every niche, every vertical experts. It's more like the your friends are your source of validation and accreditation for you know everything. It doesn't distinguish between like I, I love how Ray Dalio actually talks about this as believability. Waiting, so so you have to have some kind yeah. of believability waiting for you know this is like a random dude. He's a nice guy. He's my friend, and then this is like an expert in you know U.S. foreign policy. The same people like the same post. Do they get promoted the same way? So I I don't think it's transparent how Facebook exactly. does it right now. But uh, if I understand correctly, that's one of the cornerstones of relevance uh, philosophy. Yeah. So be, being able to split stuff first into specific contexts right so even if somebody is uh super you know has like a million followers for for being a thought leader in crypto for example you know this doesn't mean and this applies to twitter where it's like well this doesn't mean that this person is should get the attention that they're getting when they tweet about politics uh, nick jabo is a good example of that right he's great his writing on crypto and uh cryptocurrencies is great and some historical analysis of like money and these like uh, uh sociology type writing is really great but then right seeing his political tweets and him just like blindly retweeting some far right propaganda is not it's, it's kind of annoying and it's not useful and it's and it's detrimental right those tweets should not be getting the attention that they're getting just because he has thousands of followers because of his crypto writing right. so that's where like these con right so there's no clear separation between the contexts 
so for us, that's an important element. Uh, so separating stuff into specific topics, categories, uh, we're doing it via Reddit-like communities that focus on specific either topics or a set of values. And then within those communities, looking at uh, trying to identify users that are the most authoritative or the most expert. Uh, and again, not in this like traditional sense, well, this guy has a degree from Harvard and we're just going to like, uh, you know, because of that, we're going to decide that he's an authority. Uh, not doing that, letting, making this system more organic so you can have a hierarchical structure, uh, but it's way more flexible, way more open. Like you don't need to get a degree from a fancy school to become recognized in the system. All you have to do is kind of provide valuable information, and maybe that's... It's kind of like um, a Twitter apprenticeship. So someone, uh, I think, uh, probably was a Silicon Valley VC. He had this idea of uh, something like a school of Twitter instead of a school of life. So you, you get a mentor, and they become your patron. They upvote your initial tweets, probably also believability evaded. Oh, yeah. That would be really interesting. So uh, let's say I'm a relatively unknown person. I have a bunch of well-known cool friends and they support me. And it's like a badge that this guy is on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, training wheels. And 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 uh, don't take his tweets too seriously. <laughs> this is the learning, but that that would be interesting. And I don't know how to yeah. mix this idea with the way you're architecting relevant. Well, it's a very similar. So we're thinking about it in a in in a, in uh, in terms of guilds, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So the guild would be like uh, an association of tradesmen that are specializing in a specific craft, for example, uh, or that have a specific skill. And then being able to create this community, again, it, it's much easier to have that community be defined by when, when you can easily define the context as opposed to this kind of sporadic Twitter organization. Uh, that that kind of community, online community structure really affords itself to an education system, right? So it's it's the same way that you would apprentice with like a master of, you know, uh, uh, ma like a master of iron worker mm -hmm. and like be part of this like iron worker guild. Translating that into the digital context, it's a way to learn, right, from with you know about a specific topic about a specific skill within a community of people that are expert in that skill so it creates this so these high right so this hierarchical community structure really affords itself to that kind of um, system where it's not you don't necessarily have to have like one uh, or be apprenticing with one individual it's not person. a monolith like you, you have you have many people yeah. who are more qualified than you and if they upload you if I understand correctly that's currently the mechanism you have then you gradually become one of the members of this guild exactly and then that can translate to right so that that kind of community structure can then lend itself very easily to for example managing funds right and then connecting con connecting the structure to a DAO where maybe there's like external consulting projects coming in or some sort of jobs uh some sort of maybe communal uh open source project that this this group of, of people is allocating funds to and so on. So this, this kind of makes it, helps the, uh, 
facilitate kind of this like group coordination, group activity beyond something what what a DAO can do. So a DAO is just basically like a system for, uh, it's kind of like an equivalent of corporate governance, right? You have shares and people can vote on these shares. Uh, For us, relevant is a decentralized version of institutions, right? So it's where this hierarchy that's beyond just monetary how many shares do you own, but more um, uh, based on engagement and, and skill, right? Or expertise or some other quality, right? And these qualities can, they don't have to be like expertise. It could be just like the qualities that are defined by the community that the community values. So that's the way we're thinking about these um, And these uh, right before we started recording, uh, we talked briefly about you guys wanting to look into how to make a relevant use for, for DAOs or community organization and decision making for DAOs. So I'm connected to uh, all the three teams that are working on Aragon. And I think they would actually be very receptive to this as probably it's it's very radical, but to eventually using uh, your relevant reputation, we have to talk about what's your reputation system, but using your relevant reputation as a complementary weighted kind of system in the decision making. They have like these uh, votes, periodic votes, and maybe instead of just using your uh, ANT tokens, the tokens from the Aragon network, you would also use your reputation on the, let's say, Aragon forums to uh, weigh what's the, you know, expertise and believability activity of this person. Right. Or even, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be concrete, right, on-chain using the combination of the reputation and tokens. Because uh, I think the dynamic that we're going to start seeing once these DAOs become bigger, right, once there's 100 users or more than 100 users, and and these 100 users have to make a decision on 100 proposals, say, right, most of those DAO members are not going to have, are either not going to have a very strong opinion about a bunch of these proposals, or they're just not going to have enough information to even make an, you know, to make an informed decision. So we see something like relevant uh if, if we can integrate the reputation system with DAO membership uh, so to sort of seed the reputation system maybe put, uh, create the opportunity to invite a, a wider community so maybe it's not just DAO members it's uh you know, a greater community uh, of people or uh, allies or external experts uh, and create the system where you can discuss these proposals proposals, and then easily filter the discussion by reputation, filter, gauge the support for each rep- uh, proposal by reputation. So then that's a way to inform all those members that either don't have an opinion or uh, don't have the information to form an opinion to kind of help them guide their their vote so so almost it doesn't even have to be this formal thing it's like an informal layer signaling layer uh but using that to influence and inform the vote so i think that could be like a really uh kind of an essential part of, of DAOs that that yeah grow and, and i mentioned also before that DAOs are not really autonomous in any way for the moment they're really run by people and and it's in no way a democracy in any of the systems that i've seen so it's really important to work on these kinds of improvement proposals. And I'm curious to know, 
what do you think is so broken right now with the way that uh, you know uh, these votes are communicated and information around? Well, I think the fundamental problem is uh, we. I think there's a lot of different use cases and a lot of uh, so, so kind of the default mode for DAOs is just this this token voting system, which is again equivalent to this corporate governance, and I think that works really well when there's like a very small amount of decisions that need to be made and a small amount of users uh, or a small amount of Members. Kind of like what how corporations work, um, right? Usually there's a board. In the case where there's shareholders, usually shareholders don't really have much say. So, um, and also that we're looking at kind of the idea is that there's going to be lots of purple, right? Every single change is going to be governed. There's no CEO just making executive decisions and kind of going to the board for general approval or disapproval. So I think that the problem that's gonna appear that is like as these things grow as you want to kind of move away from this like very small you know three friends right things here and there once it gets bigger than that um it becomes on one side that the the token voting becomes a coin voting becomes uh, a little bit insecure if you assume that at any given point there could be a wealthy person that comes in buys up a bunch of tokens and starts dictating the vote or just general plutocracy kind of issues where you know a few people with all the tokens are going to be controlling out all the decisions again that's fine in a smaller corporate kind of setting once you, if you want something a little bigger something a little governing um some sort of common infrastructure that becomes a problem i think um i think vitalik had some good tweet uh about this where he was basically saying that uh coin voting works <clears throat> very well in a private context right when you when you're governing some some sort of like private entity with a bunch of well-defined st- stakeholders it's not very good for governing some sort of public good uh, or things like, a, like ethereum like a, and aragon are public goods at least that's their purpose right so then there's a lot of questions right so like governing something as large and in some ways amorphous as ethereum with so many different stakeholders uh and kind of so much so many different things at stake coin voting is probably not a good idea right because that's going to create in in that case plutocracy is not necessarily a good thing where you can have uh, a few large stakeholders basically dictating uh the outcome for everyone uh, that depends on the i think that's why both vitalik and velot they're against at least for the moment Unchained right. voting. Uh, so, what you're proposing could be at least a small part of the final solution for having a more complex, multi-dimensional, uh, you know, approach to uh, governance on blockchains. Right. So, so I think even right. So, if I'm, I also don't have, I also think that it's probably not the best idea for something like Ethereum to have um, token voting. But if you were to have it, right, the kind of the most uh, the kind of the best or the most immediate improvement, simplest improvement you could do is to have this like very well-defined, this is the one space where decisions are being made and decisions or decisions are being discussed. Oh, wow. So you want relevant to create these, uh, uh, you know, like uh, communities that are, in a way they have a monopoly on, uh, it's, it's your loss if you don't watch this space, but this is where everything's being uh, discussed. Not exclusively, but this place 
at least we promise you that is going to cover all aspects and uh, potentially you by you know uploading right. or downloading different discussions and maybe different articles that are shared in a way implicitly you are signaling your you know your agreement with different pro yeah and kind of the tricky part would be right so the other part of that would be to really make sure it would kind of depend on all the different stakeholders uh playing a part in this right so all of everyone kind of being in this one space uh maybe even trying to like figuring out ways to fine-tune the reputation system to to ensure that all stakeholders are represented uh in a reasonable manner and kind of create this and and again this doesn't have to be this part doesn't have to be doesn't even have to be on chain right this could be purely signaling but at least this way you could even you know this way if there are a few uh people trying to collude with a lot of funds at least you can create the space where to like direct everybody else else's attention and kind of and kind of combat the few uh few colluding parties with kind of a, a larger larger community of maybe uh, stakeholders that have less uh but i think coins. then again you have two problems one is if you could call it a bootstrapping problem like how do you give the initial reputations the higher weights to the senior members of the community probably there's going to be a fight around that uh craig wright probably wants to have <laughs> <laughs> lots of rep tokens and uh the second problem is how do you communicate uh that there is this uh centralized hub of uh communication around the voting process to to get everyone to care to come here right so yeah it, it definitely is like a lot of kind of organizational so it's yeah it's i don't think it's gonna like just be able to like happen overnight and it would, it would take some sort of coordinated effort on on a part of a, a few different parties involved um and the yeah the reputation system also kind of the way we've designed it it's it's very flexible where it's fairly easy to bootstrap it in a very simple way mm -hmm. So it could be something as simple as like identifying the, you know, representatives from like the, the main kind of stakeholder groups. Uh, and then, so, so it's a minimal effort to bootstrap it. Once there, once interactions start happening, Within the community, within the community, once there's some discussion, once there's people upvoting, downvoting things, and the, the reputation propagates to a, a bigger, wider community, then you can start having elections for kind of these like admin members of the community. So you can have, and you can have these elections to basically ensure uh, the the appropriate evolution of the reputation system and kind of improvement of the revolution uh, of the reputation system. So maybe if one of the admins becomes inactive or is doing other things, uh, that person could be removed. If there is a very active kind of expert that, rep, you know, is speaking for a community that has been underrepresented, they could be elected as a new member of the admin set and so on. So it's kind of built to self-reinforce. Self so I think now is way. actually a good time. We didn't plan to have this really interesting arc of DAOs. Uh, this is the great thing about unscripted podcast i think so we we t you kind of yourself you increase the stakes for relevant I, I i at least i didn't have this use case for relevant in mind but maybe now we could talk about the specific mechanics of uh you know how uh, you guys have uh designed right. i think you have a two uh like a dual system for you know ranking the the posts maybe we could talk about that 
and uh, potentially come back to the discussion around you. Yeah, of course. So the the two components are, are the reputation system and a crypto economic mechanism, so, which is similar to a prediction market. So the, the reputation system is based on page rank uh, in each community on relevant. So right now the relevant app is kind of like Reddit with subreddit like communities. So each community gets their own dedicated reputation system. Uh, which is based on personalized page rank. So the, the personalized part is what makes it uh, resistant to Sybil attacks. So the way you kind of start the community is you, uh, you figure out who you want the admins of the community to be. Uh, and these are the people that are gonna be the, the personalization vector of the page rank algorithm. So, so basically intuitively it means that the admins have reputation by default and all of the reputation in in the community flows from those admins to the rest of the users via upvotes. Wait a second. So mm -hmm. I have a huge question here. What if, again, Craig Wright and his uh, bros, they decide to start the Bitcoin uh, sub-relevant community? <laughs> what do you call them? Uh, yeah. yeah, relevant So, so let, let's say the BBXYZ SV, whatever Bitcoin <laughs> fork, they, 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 they started the uh, start uh, or claim the Bitcoin uh, relevant community and they're now the admins. Uh, what happens next? Uh, so then they would invite other users to join after that, right, and participate. So then it's up to the users to decide, okay, well, this is Craig's right community, he's the admin, and now I'm going to make a decision. Well, is is this the community that I want to be a part of? And this, is this the community I want to engage with? Or do I want to engage in some other community? So that creates like a clear... So also that, right, the admin side also creates this very clear initial context of what the community is I actually is going have to a feeling like. you are missing a, like a step zero before even everything starts the whole flywheel. You need to have a more community-driven approach to choosing the admins like maybe you could have like a public uh, voting period for now we're going to start the ethereum right well yeah so for exist for kind of communities that already uh, exist elsewhere right you would you would find some way to bootstrap the the community from some existing whether that's like a vote whether it's like some sort of organization making a decision or it could be it could also be based on DAO membership right so it could even be based on okay these are the members of this DAO they're going to be the admins but anyone else can join the conversation and earn more reputation than, than the admins uh, so yeah so there's definitely flexibility flexibility there uh, yeah my example I'm just kind of like imagining like a brand new community kind of starting starting from scratch like pretopia yeah exactly uh but then yeah so then again as i mentioned before once you have this initial set once you have some interactions uh and other people so so then regular users can actually earn more reputation or a higher reputation score than the admins it's totally possible so the admins don't necessarily have to have have the highest uh score forever uh, and then once other users earn some reputation, you can open up this network and, and have elections, right? So then you can elect new admins or remove the exa existing admins and so on. Uh, and how does so that really work, nice by the way? Do you have built in? So right now, we do the app doesn't have that. But the way it works is part of this uh, reputation graph. So the network graph includes both users and content. Uh, 
So that's how content rankings are also being computed. And content could be a blog post or a link, but it can also be a governance proposal. Uh, and people can upvote or downvote it. So, so that's kind of this default built-in way to, to decide on, on governance proposals or kind of vote on governance proposals. And the really nice property of this is that uh, because all the reputation flows from the admins, you can have the rest of the users could be fully pseudonymous and the, the network is still Sybil resistant. And so you can't artificially inflate the ranking of some individual post or some individual user just by creating a bunch of accounts. Uh, and the intuition behind that, if I'm right, so say I really like this proposal, I really want to try to manipulate and like up the ranking of it. So obviously I can just upvote the proposal myself and I'm not an admin. So, you know, I have some reputation from a bunch of other upvotes. I upvote the proposal, it increases increases the rank a little bit. If I want to try to maybe cheat and create a bunch of fake accounts, where I create uh, 20 bots, I upvote all of them and get all of them to upvote the post also. Uh -huh. Well, the sum of my upvote and all of the upvotes of my bots is still going to be the same as, as though it was just me upvoting the post because the reputation that I'm able to impart to any other node is is limited by how much reputation i'm receiving basically yeah so it's like voting rings um so yeah so that's a definitely an attack uh vector it's it's much much less dangerous than the right so like our goal is to like if we can eliminate this like very base layer sybil attack we're already like you know that's like the simplest thing to do um the other things, so, so approach to these higher level attacks, which are mostly like collusion type attacks, uh, is ensuring that this network graph is open, right? So the, any, any member of the community can analyze it and, and building tools to be able to, for community members to analyze this graph. Uh, sorry, so, so then if by they do, analyze you mean, can, can I see as a non-admin who uploaded all the posts. Yeah, so kind of so so being able to see what is going on, what's what's happening, uh, and then being able to uh, to respond to these collusion attacks. So if so if members see that you know there's like all of these uh, this group of people is always voting for like the same things together, then they can like start either give out a warning or start downvoting some of those members, start downvoting some of those things that were or proposals or posts that were artificially but isn't this and so on. the same as kind of staking on the relevant network maybe you're not enabling that as an explicit feature but if it's open someone could create a tool for you to delegate your upvotes to certain people well you can't delegate upvotes to certain people you can yeah so it's not transferable like you can kind of do it by upvoting them a bunch right but that's but you also can't but that's going to be set off a flag right so that's like an artificial if, if i'm just like upvoting one user non-stop that's going to raise suspicion so it is and and the other aspect of that it's uh with delegated uh delegated stake the the wealth distribution is usually so uneven right it's it's wealth distribution is usually very skewed and it's hard to even if you start off with an even distribution it tends to kind of towards a skewed thing where there's like a few people with like a shitload of tokens and like a bunch right. of people with very few tokens. Um, so in that kind of scenario, it's very easy for a few people to collude and kind of dictate the outcome. With a reputation system, at least if the network is big enough, it's much closer to a normal distribution. So even, the, so the highest 
right? Even if you have a few people with the highest reputation trying to push through a proposal, it's still going to be very easy for, for a few people with like medium level reputation to counter that. So because of the nature of like the distribution of the reputation system and the fact that it's, it's basically controlled because it's done via this page rank algorithm, it's uh, guaranteed more or less to stay more or less uh, evenly distributed kind of creates a much more uh, much less risk for some sort for like a few individuals so uh, to kind of summarize i'm not sure if i got it correctly but you have two mechanisms for upvoting one is using your reputation tokens and the other one is by staking so it, that's the kind of prediction market that you have right so this is the second component of that of the of the overall mechanism and the and the staking becomes uh so the staking is a prediction on the outcome of the reputation-based voting and that's like an optional component you don't necessarily need it but again once we once these things are growing in scale there's going to be fewer users who are engaging uh, with the content deeply through commenting through the community right so those are the people who are going to be the ones that, that have reputation but a lot of the users will, won't have any reputation right because we actually again to, to make it civil resistant users with zero reputation don't have any impact on on the rankings. So even if like a thousand users are in your community, but they don't happen to not have any reputation, they have zero impact. But they can signal that something would be relevant or could be relevant. And where do they get the it. tokens to stake? So they can, so right now we're giving out some tokens. You get some tokens when you sign up. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, everyone gets 50 tokens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right now you if you sign up, if you connect some accounts, if you connect your Twitter accounts, you get some tokens, there's like some referral, if you send some invitations, you get some tokens. Um, and that to kind of make that civil resistant, those are those tokens you can't claim, you can't cash those out. So you kind of just but you can use them for staking. But then anything you actually earn, all the rewards you earn, you can actually uh, cash out and claim. So yeah, so the prediction market is basically staking. I'm saying, okay, this post, no one has seen this post yet. I think this is going to be like very important. People are going to find it valuable. I'm going to stake a bunch of my tokens on it. And then this ends up kind of in this a uh, third feed, which we don't have yet, but there is going to be a staking feed. So everything is ra ranked according to stakes or according to so It doesn't mix with the normal feed. Like if a very wealthy individual stakes on my post or proposal, it doesn't boost it up the normal uh, praise rank algorithm. Right. So that it still has a rank of zero. It just shows up. It's going to sh show up highly in, the, in this uh, kind of like a recommendation feed, which is kind of a recommendation for people with reputation to take a look at it uh, and then if if at that point users with reputation find it valuable and upload it then it ends up in the in the in the top right relevant feed if not it just yeah you uh, and also right so also if it ends up in the relevant feed and it's highly ranked you get some some token reward you get some block rewards all the people that staked on that post get some block rewards so if you're the first one where's the staked, bonding curve everyone has bonding curves where's your bonding curve <laughs> so every single so that's the market maker for the prediction market it's the bonding curve so basically each post is able to issue shares so by staking on the post you're locking up some of your tokens for a period of time in exchange of shares 
four shares. So if you're the first one, you get you know a bigger amount for your stake. If you're the last one, you get a tiny bit. Uh, and then at the end of the expiration, there's a time period. So right now it's three days. So after three days, we compare the ranking of the post, the, the reputation-based ranking against other posts in that community. And if it's uh, above average, it gets a payout proportional to, to the reputation. And then that's distributed to all the users. Uh -huh. And you also get your stake back. Okay, so it's okay. never you never lose tokens. You just lock them up for a period of time. Once the post right. expires, Which is, you I get think, them back. Uh, good enough for uh, prohibiting too much staking. Like you can't simultaneously stake on lots of posts. Exactly. Yeah. And it also makes it so that you can, so the, the staking mechanism and the fact that uh, your rewards, you, the fact that you don't lose money uh, creates a system where the, the, uh, the winnings are distributed across many different posts. You can't just like bet a million dollars, you know, or you can't have like two people kind of duking it out and like betting a million dollars each on each side and then trying to bribe the curators to, to make a decision. So for each post, the stake is, is still fairly low. So it's like limited because it's just the curation rewards that are coming out of the inflation, the inflation rate distributed across all the posts or all the top ranking so, posts. So kind of two questions to follow up. I, I feel there's a potential and you're building it in an open way so other people could create non-native uh, explorers or uh, like front-ends for your infrastructure. That's right. And then like if that happens, how do you plan to decentralize the actual hosting of the content and you know the servers and the admins? Yeah, so that's actually, so we don't have it fully, so the reputation and the, the reward distribution is not fully uh, decentralized or, or even open right now. So that's still happening in our centralized server. The token is the, uh, the decentralized part right now. So the token is in the, is in an Ethereum smart contract and the, that smart contract con controls the inflation rate. And then all the newly minted tokens our server has the ability to claim those and then distribute those as rewards. So basically the risk scenario is that the server can uh, has custody of rewards that, are, that have not been claimed yet, that have not been distributed. Once they are distributed, then the users can claim them and transfer them into, into their own MetaMask and then we don't, then the, our server doesn't touch them. So we don't have, we never hold custody of, to, of tokens that have been claimed already. So it's kind of most of the security is taken care of in the smart contract and then there's the small portion of its only tokens that only rewards that have not been distributed are in the custody of the of the server so kind of as a next step we're moving the server logic to tendermint so having a tendermint sidechain so still keeping the ethereum smart contract but then having the ethereum sidechain to to do all the computation and at that point that becomes open, there's going to be multiple validators, anyone can inspect the code and so on. So that's kind of the strategy behind that's, that's the immediate kind of like the immediate next st steps for us the next milestone. Uh, by the way, uh, to clarify, so can you also do the reverse, like move your tokens from your wallet to the hot wallet, which is like the app? Uh, right now, we don't have a need for that, because you can still stake. So whenever you stake or you upload post, we look at both your the tokens you have in transfer 
transferred yet and your balance on the theory on the in the smart contract uh, so there's never really a need to transfer them back into the app once we have the tendermint sidechain if there is a use case maybe we will enable that but that uh, kind of introduces more risk so then you have to make sure you have more security so that's yeah that's down the line maybe we'll enable that but so right now there's no need I to i wanted to zoom out a little bit and uh we're already at I think fifty or forty minutes. It was a very interesting discussion. So you you are in a way creating uh, micro communities with uh, social credit systems. And I saw your tweet about your opinion, your take on social credit systems, whether they're top down or bottom up, and who's controlling them. So. Uh, if if you you wanted to really go wild and imagine you know relevant or like the relevant version one hundred being used uh, society wide or similar you know networks, uh, what's your take on uh, you know these mechanisms being used in real life for like really important things like getting access to healthcare and you know if, even getting discount on your taxes and things like that. Well, I think the the thing about the really kind of important thing about reputation systems and and also part of the reason why they have kind of uh, you know these like negative connotations around them is is the fact that you, you really need a very well-defined context for the reputation system. Uh, that's why things like, you know, China's social credit system is so scary and so dystopic is because the context is immense. It's like very broad, right? So it's like maybe you didn't uh, pay your electricity bill and all of a sudden you can't get on a plane or you can't, make, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like everything, this is... Uh, there was a similar problem with uh, credit scores in the US, <clears throat> right? So the credit score is just a measure of like how much credit, how much money you can borrow, basically. It's like how risk, how risky you are to lend money to, which is fine as long as you limit the scope to, to that only, right? But then there was an instance where employers wouldn't hire candidates with a low credit score which doesn't make any sense right because like if you don't didn't have the money to pay off some loans and now you can't get a job to get money to pay off your loans right and your ability to pay your to pay your debt has nothing to do with like how well you are as as a worker right or like at your job so that's an example of like misusing the the reputation context right or like using the reputation in a context where it's not supposed to be used and that's that's the big problem so the way we're looking at relevant is really defining like a very clear context so then that introduces subjectivity so maybe it's maybe there's like three com three different communities about uh ethereum and one is right one is super healthy the other one is like maybe it has like slightly different focus and maybe they even allow some sort of, you know, uh, intersection or communication between them or like being able to transfer the reputation system. But but that ability to have different community with a fully different reputation system is really important because then you can really clearly think about the context and also it enables you, it enables dissent, right? If you're unhappy with the, your current community, you can fork it and start a new one Uh convince a bunch of members to join your new community and kind of create these you know, alternative what's spaces tricky is i i i think i tend to agree with your point of view which is we shouldn't over generalize someone's uh behavior and gain credit or discredit in a certain context for all possible contexts 
but if the person's identity is even pseudonymous but can be traced back to their activity in other communities, then it will eventually be used against them. Even if you started with good intentions, it will be used in whatever way that is profitable or makes sense for dictators. Well, in that sense, so yeah, so speaking from like the point of survey, so I think that's kind of touches on this other uh, aspect of private versus public, right? So I think the way we're thinking about uh, the content on relevant, at least in this like sense of like the, the reputation systems and open communities, it's like being able to or being aware that everything you say is going to be public and is going to be out there, right? The the you can mitigate you can mitigate it by having different pseudonyms for different, right? To kind of split apart your identities. Maybe you want to use one account for one community and one account for a that different. That sounds community. hard with Ethereum wallets, to be honest. Right, but it, it can be right. So you can generate like a brand new. It's it's not like it's definitely possible, right? You can right, generate right. a brand new set of keys here, generate a brand new set of keys there, and kind of there are ways to like automate and make that easier also. Uh, but we definitely it's definitely not a system for kind of like communicating sensitive information so I think that's like a different kind of like we're not really trying to solve that problem so the like what we are looking at is this aspect of of public public discourse right and a way to structure public discourse and way way to navigate public discourse uh, which I think is like a big problem in general right now Uh, definitely there are ways there are going to be ways to like misuse that public information but it is important like we feel like there there is a need to to have public information i don't think we can get away with like making everything private making everything encrypted because then you're basically siloing everything you can't have public discourse that's Uh, encrypted i don't know if that that exactly addressed my issue it was more like uh, you as a person, you're, you know, you probably you're not as credible in different communities. So maybe an employer uh, hires some kind of chain analysis for relevant and then data mines your different pseudonymous identities, aggregates all of them and finds out, oh, like this programmer guy that I'm hiring, he's actually a really shitty programmer, right? at least anti-consensus on lots of things. And that's like a very, uh, you know, uh, harmless use case with programmers. And that's technical. So this could be used for your uh, political views and and, uh, used against you. At least now, uh, you could just use whatever random email and random username. But I feel on something like relevant, it's a little bit more difficult to disassociate your at least aggregate uh, blockchain relevant self from the individual uh, personas on different communities. Um, I think if you assume that you can have a dedicated account for each uh, for each use case, I think that that can be solved. Maybe that's something you so should work that- on. Actually, you know, Apple uh, introduced Apple ID. I think that's what's called. So maybe you should uh, think ahead and and develop some kind of automated new wallet uh, private key generation tool for relevant. Yeah, 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 definitely. And that's kind of that's we're we're definitely thinking about that a lot. And at least creating the option to to kind of separate your identities uh, and you know being able to have be pseudonymous and so on. So I feel like that, and in that sense, I'm not sure if it's, I think using different, right, different email accounts is 
is probably worse, right? There's, I mean, the app, like the Apple, like Apple gener generating like uh, these like unique email accounts, I think is is a good, is kind of similar in that way. But I think without that, just like using like what we have, the technology we have now and like Twitter and like Facebook for sure is definitely yeah, way, way it, worse. It, that, like they <laughs> engineered it and they had the time in the past 10 years and they engineered it to be like the worst possible scenario. <laughs> <laughs> to be as sticky as possible. So I wanted to uh, kind of start to wrap up, uh, if that's fine with you, and ask about, uh, you know, your roadmap, uh, things you're planning for the next, let's say, one or two years, and if you're also uh, looking at ways to decentralize the governance of Relevant itself, because it's not yet clear for me if you wanted to, tweak the parameters for the uh, page rank algorithm or you know the staking ratios the parameters of the bonding curve do you have to do it for the whole network or could you do it for just your own community yeah so we're looking at that a little bit uh, as we're designing the system to kind of as we migrate the, the, the server to the sidechain so and we still haven't fully decided on the specific art architecture so one case is that the reputation algorithm is on this tendermint chain uh, and then basically the validators would have to come to a consensus on what that is so it's the same for everyone maybe there's like option a b c uh, but basically a fixed set. Uh, another option we're entertaining is that the, the validators actually don't do the reputation computation. The communities themselves compute the scores, the reputation scores, and just just say what they are. So those are two. In that in that case, communities can be can be more autonomous. But then it's going to be more important to be able to have reputations for communities themselves that are compute computed in this one space because you don't want just like someone creating. Uh, you know, just like a, a dummy community. Cat, yeah. <laughs> Cat video. <laughs> yeah, or just like a, a dummy community with one yeah. person saying like, I have the reputation, I have all the high scores, and so on. So being able to kind of like filter, it's not the worst thing that can happen. It's just basically you're guaranteeing you're getting your own inflation uh, back. Um, but we want to have a way to kind of like penalize those a little bit. So, um, but yeah, definitely like, so the roadmap to kind of go back to like the overall roadmap, the immediate uh, milestone is to build out some of these uh, integrations for DAOs, uh, making it easy to connect the reputation system to exist existing membership, uh, connect proposed DAO proposals to make that automatic kind of a way to discuss them. Uh, and then the, the longer term over the next year or two years is moving, developing this uh, sidechain architecture uh, developing a way to store all the content also independently uh, and kind of moving towards this m more of like a federated kind of uh, architecture. So the idea is kind of like, right, if, if we can get to a, to a place where it's something like Mastodon, but with the built-in economic layer, which can actually reward users for uh, running nodes, running servers, and this reputation system that kind of helps moderate content, helps filter content, and so on, helps like defend communities against malicious communities, and so on. Um, yeah, the plan is, if we can, if we can build something like that, we'll, be, we'll feel like we've accomplished got our it, goal. So as the last two kind of general questions I wanted to ask you what you 
imagine the perfect social network to be. So not just relevant, but if you had the authority to architect the, the utopian social network, what would it look like? Hmm. Well, I think there's different, right? So there's kind of a split between architecture and the UX. So the um, so as an ideal architecture, I do think these kind of protocol level type architecture, like Mastodon, like federated uh, federated type networks, which which have maybe a peer to peer component. Also, we can kind of like all the private stuff happens directly peer to peer. All kind of the public stuff is happening through these like master mail server type nodes. I think that architecture makes a lot of sense in terms of the UX. I feel like that's where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, because, for example, if you look at Mastodon, the thing that kind of disappoints me is that it has this really cool underlying decentralized architecture, but the UI is just a Twitter clone, right? So it's like I feel like there's a lot of room to innovate there in terms of the in terms of the UX, these like you know like follow dynamics, expanding on those. So so rethinking a lot of those ways, and then for UIs, I don't think there is like one. Um, idealist you know one like universal utopian thing basically having different kinds of options and then having those those different types of ui and different ways to interact with it be interoperable so you can interact with the same type of content maybe similar types of users communities but in very different ways i think that that is is a really beautiful idea idea. if you could uh have like implementations of even twitter without implementing all the evil extra features that are there yeah, yeah. Or just being able to experiment and kind of discover new different. I think also the UIs need to evolve constantly. If you have one thing that gets static, people will figure out it'll kind of uh, create default user behaviors that I think is important to break in order to to kind of keep keep things going and not get stuck in like certain very specific types of interactions and behaviors and the last one before we end the conversation i kind of changed our standard question to make more sense for you so it's like uh what would you do if you had a hundred million dollars or a hundred million users right now or you could have a combination yeah um what would i do in terms of kind of life, the product you could or become personally? justin bieber in one day <laughs> like they could do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah just keeping working on like on whatever so you, I want you would take the dollars or the not worrying about 100 yeah oh yeah. it's a choice <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a hard, it depends who the million right. users are, <laughs> I guess, and what they're doing. <laughs> if it's an army of trolls, I'll definitely take a million dollars. That, that is the irony of social <laughs> media. Try to get it's better users. Not so easy. <laughs> not so easy to value uh, right, the worth of right. each user. Right? That's really hard. Yeah. Well, that's a challenge. That's why we're trying to avoid a lot of these, like, growth hack, get quick, you know, and just growth hack and just like get a bunch of users very quickly and trying to trying to grow it slowly and in a more organic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. way yeah that that's definitely great to hear so uh thank you for giving us your time i think we kind of finished on time about in about one hour uh thanks to all the listeners for uh being with us We'll try to surface more interesting new efforts like Relevant. And also, if you want to follow Slava, what's your Twitter handle? It's team underscore Slava. 
Uh-huh. And then you can check out relevant. Rele- it's relevant dot community right, right. is the URL. And 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 I am personally trying to uh, you know coordinate our own uh, social media also around relevant. So uh, we we will probably launch this episode on relevant so people can comment on it. That would be very interesting. Yeah. Awesome. So. Well, yeah, yeah, thanks for same having here. me. Here, really enjoyed that pleasure. conversation. So we uh, end it here, and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>